Mac OS X market share? Pfft, who cares? My Mac Podcast number 305. You're listening to the G-Men on the MyMac.com podcast. David Cohen, and I'm here to tell you that the UK does not have an inexhaustible supply of Mac Geeks itching to podcast capable of tolerating thyself. You have been warned. And welcome to the MyMac.com podcast. This is number 305. 305. And um, don't have Gaz with me tonight, but I do have another G. Greg Holdsworth. How you doing, Greg? Very good, thanks. And uh, what what brings you to the MyMac.com family? I just love you guys. I'm a big fan. And um, I'm a Mac-head geek, just like you all are. And uh, so hopefully that qualifies. And yes, I am maintaining the G status this week, so that's great. That that helps. Yes, it does. <laughs> helps very much. Don't need to erase anything or delete anything on your site, so there you go. Nope. And uh, you're, you've, how long have you been a uh, Mac user? Uh, I started in the late 80s, back when they had the old uh, all-in-one, you know, the Mac Classic and the SE and, and all that stuff. So that's basically when I started, but I didn't have my first Mac until it was uh, the first three uh, PowerPC line, you know, the 6100, 7100, mm-hmm. 8100. That was my first official Mac. Uh, but you had used them before? Yes. Okay. So back in back in the 80s, you were... You were exposed to you know the the original all in one all in one Max. That that's right right around the same time that uh, that I started using them as well. I had a, a Mac Plus for people that uh, that know what those are. Yeah, it seemed like every issue of Macworld that came out, there was a new beige Mac on the cover. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, especially I, in the, especially in the nineties when you know they had the the uh, performas and the the quadras and the centrist machines it's, it it did pretty much seem like every other week there was uh it, it was a mac and it didn't you know for the most part didn't look all that much differently than the 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 one that came before it and right. mostly other than software there there wasn't really all that many differences so right. what exactly do you use your macs for now uh i um well let me just tell you what i do my quote unquote day job is uh, i'm self employed I own a freelance graphic design, print production, and website production uh, business called Greg's Graphics. And so for that, uh, I have a MacBook Pro. It's a 17-inch. It's the pre-unibody model. And basically, I'm just all about the you know the Adobe Creative Suite, just you know doing uh, print, web, and design and all that. So it's a typical situation where you have uh, – Photoshop open, Dreamweaver open, InDesign open, uh, you know, two or three browsers, text documents. So that's, you know, pretty much where I do there. And then my other job is, I guess you could call it a gardening consulting business called Your Own Victory Garden. And I set up or consult like on vegetable gardener, uh, gardens, compost uh, systems, um, I'm a blogger and editor for VegetableGardener.com, and I just recently got an article from that that was republished on uh, in Fine Gardening Magazine. I'm very ecstatic about that. 
And uh, more recently, I'm also starting to do uh, small engine repair. But related like, to related to like gardening or or just small engines in general. Uh, just small engines in general. I, it all kind of comes off of the gardening thing because you think about it. You know, your yard and and all that stuff, and your landscaping is all kind of right next to where your garden is anyway. It's all kind of one and the same. So it's just something I like to do on the side. Well, with your with your uh, with your graphics business, business Greg's Graphics. Now you were talking about having three or four different uh, Adobe uh, CS4, CS5 suite products, you know, open at the same time, as well as having a, a browser and a couple of windows in there. How do you manage all that on one 17-inch monitor? Or is are there other peripherals that you use with it as well? Yeah, no, I actually treat my MacBook Pro as a desktop, and I've got the 23-inch uh, Apple Cinema display oh, on there. Very nice. Yeah, and then, of course, a couple of uh, FireWire hard drives hooked up to it. So are the, do you use like Apple's mice or is, is there some special pointing device that you use as compared to, you know, what, what Apple gives you? Uh, I've always been a Logitech fan, so I just been using those and they work great. Is it a mouse or a trackball? Yeah, just a regular, uh, three button mouse. So, okay. And so you know, you've been using this on a 17 inch and you know, that I guess the, the 17 inch, uh, MacBook pro is what, two years old, three years old? Yeah, that's just about right. I was thinking about that this morning. I said, how long have I had my computer? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's been doing me fine for, yeah, about three three years now. Yeah, that's about how old. Uh, I have a 15-inch MacBook Pro. It's the, the, the 2.33 gigahertz model. That's just a, I mean, it, it, it just keeps going. It, you know, no problems with it whatsoever. Yeah, I've only been on... Um, snow leopard now for not even a month so i haven't had any major trouble at all well did you hold off on going to snow leopard because of the the problems that you know the adobe's products had with it yes absolutely i was just going on the websites and seeing uh checking on a compatibility you know for all the packages and i was really reading a lot on you know which parts of which of the Adobe apps were having trouble and how serious they were and, and yes, was deliberately holding out. So, but most of them were related to the products that, that you were using for Greg's graphics. Yes. And so are you on uh, CS4 or have you gone to CS5 yet? I'm still on CS4. And you're pretty happy with that? Yes. I've been uh, looking at what CS5 offers, and I'm definitely attracted to it. It's just not in the budget yet. Okay. Well, which uh, which version of CS4 did you get? It's the uh, creative. Uh, it's the one with the, just the regular pro. I want to say print premium. I so it's got, it it's got what Photoshop and Illustrator and InDesign, and w was there any other products that came with that? Yeah, Dreamweaver. Dreamweaver. Okay, that's yeah. right. Because you you were, you were saying that you do. Uh, web design it as well as part of uh, Greg's graphics. Yeah, it's basically the package is meant for people that are designers who all of a sudden have said and now are commissioned, oh, by the way, I love your brochure, and now you need to do a website for it. <laughs> you know, can you turn that into a website now? Oh, uh, yeah, sure, okay. It's And does that does that translate pretty well? I mean, how, how well do the products integrate with each other other than Photoshop? They could probably still... Uh, work on that a little better, I think. Uh, mainly with fonts is kind of an issue. You can't, you know, just copy and paste things between them very well, uh, especially between 
the web packages in Illustrator. I think they need to work on that a little better. You always have to go kind of indirectly, mm-hmm. you know, like in between, like using a text file or, or there's always something. There's not really a direct way of just kind of dragging and dropping yet. So that's between uh, what, like InDesign and um, Dreamweaver? Right, exactly. Now, do you when, when you create a uh, website, do you specify you know, which fonts that are, are going to be in that site, or do you pretty much just make it generic so that the browser, you know, the browser of whoever's using it can take care of it? Uh, I usually will go ahead and put in the CSS in uh, in Dreamweaver. And then I try to keep that in mind when I'm laying out the – I usually will start in Photoshop as far as the layouts. Mm-hmm. And I'll keep the fonts kind of in mind. I won't – I have to – that's kind of a design design decision. It's like, well, what parts, which typefaces do I want to use as images to where you're not really worrying about, you know, the person on the, on the other end, their browser rendering it correctly. Right. Uh, and then for a regular body copy, so to speak – you know, that would just be, I just think about, well, let's see, I can use, and I always just kind of limit myself to, you know, what the common browsers uh, all share anyway. Right. So, you know, a lot of people might not know that, that the, you know, as, as you're designing a website, uh, the font that you're using in that particular site may not necessarily be the same font that the person that's rendering the site that's looking at the site is going to see at the other end. Yeah, and that's how the code is written. You basically have a list of fonts that are there, and so the browser says, well, do you have this one? No. you have this one? No. This one? Yep. Okay. Well, I'll use this one. <laughs> so that's that's why if there's a specific type font that, that you want, and, you know, I guess you're talking about you know, titles and things like that, you actually have to, to create those as an image as compared to just regular text. Yeah, anything that you know is not going to be a font that most people are going to have. Just yeah, it needs to be treated as as a, a graphic. And Dreamweaver does that. Uh, it has a way of doing it, but usually, I, again, I just do that in Photoshop. Oh, and then just just import it over into it. Yeah, right. You just basically you cut all your pieces up, so to speak, and then you assemble it in Dreamweaver. And how how long have you had Greg's graphics open? Uh, I've gone through the official five years, you know, for business owners, they always say, well, if I can make it past five years, I'm doing well. So (laughs) I have one main client and a few ancillary clients and, uh, I've been very fortunate. So, okay. Um, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about what's on the mymac.com website this week. There's a review by Donnie Yankelo of art studio for the iPad there's an iPad app review by Mike Breed, and it's the Elements. Now, this, you know, this is a. I think this is a relatively expensive program, but you know, anytime people start talking about like really super cool iPad apps, this is this is one of the ones that comes up. So definitely go read that. That's by Mike Breed. And then there's also a review of the. I don't even know if I can if I can pronounce this at Lona, at Lona Two. It's it's a mini DisplayPort KVM switch. And there's, there's one other story that uh, I wanted to talk about real quick here by Scott Wilsey called Back to the Future with Phone Supersizing. Now, what this one is about, and please go to the site and read it, is uh, Scott's talking about some of these new uh, HTC and Motorola uh, Android phones 
that have larger screens than the iPhone. Now, the iPhone has a, a 3.5-inch screen, and the two that he gives as an example, which is the Droid X and one by HTC, both have uh, 4.3-inch screens. Now, Greg, at what point do you think that for a phone that the screen might that, you know that the screen is going to be a little bit too big? I think you're already pushing it at uh, four and five. I think you're already uh, at that point. That illustration there on the side is coming true, where you're going to be uh, messing your jeans up. <laughs> I can't get that in the pocket anymore. Yeah. So, um, what do you think that that Apple could increase the size of the screen of the iPhone a little bit without really kind of changing what what makes the iPhone the iPhone? I think you could go a little bit. Yeah. So, what would be the biggest size you think? I wouldn't be going more than maybe half an inch, three quarters of an inch. You don't want to go too much. So probably like right around four inches. Yeah, and right. That would be about as big as uh, as you think Apple should go with with something like the iPhone. Now he yep. also talks about the uh, the Dell Streak, which is it. You know, when you're talking about smartphones, you know that the line starts to get a little blurred between computers and phones because i mean let's face it you're holding more power in the palm of your hand than most people had in on in their desktops even you know as little as five to six years ago so now you've got uh this dell streak five inch screen and at what point is it is it a phone is it a tablet is it you know something in between i really have to kind of question why dell decided to go you know with five inches and make it more of a of, of an hybrid type device instead of going just a little bit bigger to like seven inches that might make it more useful as a tablet right yeah that's what i was thinking like more of a, you now you're approaching a tablet status yeah so i mean why not why not just take it that that extra bit now there's uh, I've been reading about uh, another Android device uh, being sold in, uh, of all places, Kmart called. Uh, I think it's called the Ogen. I I can't even remember what the the, the product name of it was, but it, it's a seven-inch tablet, and they made some really odd design choices when they built this thing. Some of the the buttons for functionality is actually on the back of the device instead of on the front. And it, of course, you know, it, it's relatively cheap. It's only $150, but it is running, you know, the Android OS. But there's, I mean, they, they had to make so many compromises with it that it, it's almost counterproductive to pushing Android out as an alternative to, the, you know, to iOS uh, for, you know, the, the phones and the iPad. I'm not really sure if uh, Google is all that pleased with having a device like that. Yeah, I mean, you take uh, the form factor and then you have everything is kind of, I think everything is designed around it, everything being a certain size. So then right. if you have a, a variety of sizes, then you're kind of dealing with, well, okay, now we have to make it work for this and this and this and various, you know, scenarios. And I don't know how that works into the code. And then, of course, you have the all the products that go along with it. Yeah, the, well, uh, I mean, build. with with the iPad, you've got you you can use uh, iPhone applications on the iPad, but depending on on how the app is coded, you know, whether or not it, it's a, a good experience on the iPad has been kind of you know 
a little bit shaky at times. I think that that for most people, if they if they have an iPad, that they that they probably much prefer the the dedicated iPad apps because that just you know takes full advantage of the screen. And right now with Android, it doesn't seem like there's a it, there's an OS version and applications available for some of these some of these bigger screens. Now I, I know that they're working on something like, like that with a program. I think it's called Gingerbread. It's supposed to come out sometime next year, and that's supposed to be for Android. I think it's if I recall, it's supposed to be for Android-based products. What do you think? Yeah, I've heard about that, and that's that's exactly what I've heard about. And I think uh, as more of the uh, iPad applications get to be regular size, then that's going to be even more of a factor. Yep, and you know, I, and I think it is important that the iPad has competition and has good competition, if only to kind of spur Apple on to make it even better. So uh, we're going to take a little break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, something that I kind of mentioned last week. It was talking about you know where I think there are holes in Apple's product lines. Well, uh, Greg and I are going to go in a little bit more in-depth than that. So please stand by to stand by, and we'll be right back. Hi, this is Tom Schmidt from First Tech Computer in Minneapolis and occasionally from MyMac.com. And you're listening to the MyMac.com podcast. Now, if they could just record it sometime when I'm not driving home. Oh, well. And we're back. Thank you all for joining us. I still have Greg here. I managed to, to, to keep him on the line. He, he, didn't, uh, he didn't abandon me. I appreciate that, Greg. Sure. Hey. So this segment... Uh, we're going to talk about a, a subject that I've been thinking about for a very long time. Uh, are, are there holes in Apple's product lines? Now, obviously, I'm, I'm talking about their computers. Now, on the on the the laptop side, I think uh, I, I think they're pretty well covered. You've got the MacBook, which is their their low end and relatively low priced uh, portable. Then you have the 15 and 17 inch MacBook Pros. For those that need super portability, you have either the iPad or the MacBook Air. Now, where where I see the the disparity, the dis, I can't even say it. What's the word? Help me. Dis, 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 disparity. Disparity. That's that's the word for today. Everyone, please go look that up at dictionary.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, where where I see that that lies in their desktop line. Now, on the uh, the low end, you have the Mac Mini, which is very very small machine. I really do like it. Uh, it's you know, they made a couple of interesting design choices with the Mac Mini. They went with a with a two and a half inch hard drive, which I've I've never understood. Um, up until up until now, uh, they had for the most part it was integrated uh, Intel graphics, which you know really sucked, but. Right. You know they, they've gone to the the either the Nvidia or the ATI uh, mobility graphics processors for their last few revisions of it, which which is a plus. Um, I, I guess that as a general purpose machine, that the Mac Mini is is really a, a very nice machine. Uh, what it doesn't have is because of the two and a half inch drive, a lot of storage. So. If you're going to use a Mac Mini on a regular basis, 
chances are you're going to have like one or two external hard drives to it. Have, have you used a Mac Mini? I have not. Uh, I at one point had to consider one. To tell you a very quick uh, story, I had a yeah. uh, Power Mac G, a Power PC G4, you know, the gray one, mm-hmm. and the processor just went, you know, belly bomb. up. Yeah, like, eh, gone, fried. And I was faced with that decision. I was like, well, what do I, what do I do now? And so I actually, I had to consider the mini on one end and then the MacBook Pro. And then of course the Mac Pro, which already the MacBook Pro, I mean, the Mac Pro, excuse me, was just my dream machine. I mean, every time I go in the Apple store, they have to clean up after me because I'm <laughs> drooling over it. Uh, <laughs> you know, but I, I said, someday I'm going to have one of these, but uh, it turns out the MacBook Pro just has gotten they've just gotten good enough that you can use it as a production machine sure and so i just kind of said well i can afford the mini but uh, well it's just like you said there's this it just needs a little bit more to it yeah now up from the mac mini you have the imac now up until the the, the recent release of the the brand new imac uh it's always been a you know a one drive all in one machine, you know, basically everything you need uh, as a, a, as a standard regular user comes with the iMac. You've got a keyboard, you've got a mouse, you've got, you know, decent graphics card, you know, it's not stellar, but it's pretty good. And it, it pretty much has served. I mean, I, I, uh, here we go. I'm going to go back. Here's my story, my story time. I also had a G4 tower. Uh, with those, with it was the the Quicksilver, the nine thirty three Quicksilver tower, right? And I used that up until I think two thousand six, and then when I started looking at replacements for it, because the G fours were just not aging well, and Apple was had already moved to Intel, and you know I mean pretty much the writing was on the wall for the Power PC. So I went ahead, and, you know, couldn't afford a Mac Pro, not and stay married. And decided that the best compromise was going to be the iMac. Now, I had like four drives inside of that G4 tower, which, of course, is you know completely impossible uh, internally with an iMac. Now, right. where, where I see you know the, the first gap is between the Mac Mini and the iMac. The, the, the internals for the Mac Mini... Other than the two and a half inch drive, I think are fine for most people. Where it's where it's really lacking in my mind is internal storage. I mean, even with the the iMac that I have now, I've got three separate external hard drives connected to it for various things. You know, I mean, I've got I've got one drive that's dedicated just for iTunes, and then another drive that's dedicated for uh, Time Machine. And then another drive that I use for like a scratch disc with Final Cut Pro. And, you know, if you have to add three or four drives to an all-in-one machine, you're, you're kind of taken away from the purpose of having an all-in-one machine. Do you know what I mean? Right, right. So I, I've always dreamed that Apple would come out with a like a, a mini tower and it could have... The Mac Mini internals. I don't really care. I just wanted to have you know two to three internal drives in it that I could use for for basically whatever I wanted. 
and they've they've never really given that to me. And now with the with the new iMac, it's it's kind of a tease because you can get it with a second drive internally, an SSD drive. But if you don't order it with that SSD drive, you don't get the mount for it from Apple. Did you know that? No, I didn't. I know they added the SSD option, but I didn't know that you were you had to make that choice right then and there. Yeah. So. Yeah, and and you know you you'll have companies like Otherworld Computing, I'm sure, that will come out with a similar type harness to put a three and a half inch SATA drive and an SSD drive because Otherworld Computing, you know, even though they don't sponsor us anymore, they've got they've got some really really fast SSD drives, and I'm I'm sure that they're better than what Apple's offering, but. Why not just why not just offer that that small computer that ha- that you can put two or three drives in? Yeah, you're basically just cutting down. It's kind of like a mini Mac Pro. Is yeah, what exactly. You're doing. Let's take everything that you have that the Mac Pro has. Okay, it's got this many slots for drives. Uh, the option to put two or three of the PCI cards in. Or can you just cut those back as far as quantity? Uh, the size obviously could get smaller as a result of that. Sure. And then, you know that. That uh, that's probably a little bit more attractive because I'm looking at the Mac Mini here, and you got a 320 gigabyte or 500 gigabyte, you know, 5400 yeah, RPM drive. Yeah, right. And they're slow drives. You know, 5400 RPM drive is that that's not that quick, and and 500 megabytes these days that's that's like almost nothing. Yeah, when I when I got my MacBook Pro, I I opted for the the seven two hundred because it came the standard was the fifty four hundred, and I said uh, no, I'll I need the other one. <laughs> yeah. Now you can you can put a uh, an SSD drive in you know your your MacBook Pro, which will will speed it up immensely. But sure. then you're you're still limited because SSD drives you know they're they're nowhere near as big as uh, the, the SATA drives right now. I mean, they're getting ready to come out with three terabyte SATA drives, which is just crazy. Well, that and the cost is still kind of a factor. Yeah, yeah. If you've got if you've got two or three drive bays open and, you know, a, a three terabyte drive is going to cost you, oh, let's say, $250 per when they first come out, or you can get two terabyte drives for less than half that price, I think, you know, a lot of people are, are going to go with, you know, the, the, the lesser price just so that they can have extra drives in their machine. But yeah, right. I, I think I agree with you as far as a, as having like almost like a mini, mini Mac pro, I, I don't even really care about PCI slots. You know, I just, I just want to be able to, to, to have the option to have, you know, more and bigger drives in my desktop machine. And, and, you know, Apple, other than the SSD drive that they, that they'll install in the new IMAX at, you know, at an exorbitant price, just aren't willing to see, just don't seem to be willing to do it. Yeah. People probably want to have the option. One of what real research I've done on it, that people want to have a choice for the video card, for example, which, you know, on a PC, I mean, that's, you can, that's, that's nothing. Yeah, right. Exactly. You, know, you go to any any you know any store or, or Tiger Direct or or Newegg or any of those and and buy whatever card you want. And but other than the Mac Pro, you don't really have that option. To be honest, the uh, the the video cards that come with most Macs, I think work out pretty well. The, they're, they're pretty good. Yeah, yeah, they are pretty good. And because you know Apple is is building the whole widget, 
you know, they, they know exactly what, how to build the drivers for those video cards so that they just, they just work really, really well. Yeah. I remember the olden days when we had the, uh, the big boob tube monitors, you had to actually download drivers for it. And that was just a nightmare. Oh man. You know, I had a, uh, I can't even remember now. It was, it was one of my first desktop machines. I think it was a 300 megahertz G3. And I went and I got one of the big tube monitors for it, but it, it didn't have, you know, the Apple 15 pin. It was SVGA. So you had to buy this adapter and mm-hmm. the adapt, most of these adapters had like these little sliding switches on them. So that and, but you had to basically guess where to put those sliding switches so that this SVGA monitor would work with the, the, the 15 inch Apple display output. And if you guessed wrong, it wasn't just a question of moving the switch a little bit. You had to restart the machine every single time that you made a change. No, oh, lovely this adapter. Yeah, nice. it, could, it could take you hours, and just you you know constantly be hearing that big, deep, booming bong of your machine restarting every single time. So, you know, so we have the gap, at least in my mind, between the Mac Mini and the iMac, and. Uh, do you feel that the, that there's a gap maybe between the iMac and the Mac Pro? There might be, but it's not quite as big. Uh, the iMacs have really come along now, and I think uh, they're getting they're getting pretty close. I mean, they're really cranking these things up now. Yeah, and I, and you know, part of the problem with the Mac Pro for most people has got to be. The, the price of them. I mean, it starts at $2,500. Now, that $2,500 gets you a Xeon, you know, four-core processor, which is like one of Intel's best. But most people that, that might want a machine like this, they, they may not necessarily want that. They, they may be perfectly happy with like an i5 or an i7, you know, quad-core Intel chip instead. Yeah, and that was a decision, again, going back to my story briefly about in my mindset was, well, the Mac Pro is really all I can use because all the professional high-end uh, people have, you know, graphics people have to use those. But what I found was, uh, and I actually brought work files with me when I was making this decision. I brought files with me on a flash stick into the Apple Store and did some work and said, okay, well, let me see if this MacBook Pro can really handle this. And yeah, on certain things I was doing in Photoshop, the Mac Pro still, you know, beat it. But I said, well, this is fine. MacBook Pros as well as the iMacs, they've they've come a long way. And I would have not made that decision two years ago, but they've just have really gotten better to where they, they can be considered professional machines as well as uh, just a regular home machine. Well, the power is definitely there with the, uh, with the MacBook Pros, whether it's the 13 or the 15 or the 17. But let, let's talk for a minute about the the iPad, which which kind of enters into a slightly different shift as far as Apple's computers go, and I you know I, I do consider the iPad to be a computer. You know the the iPad comes out; they've already sold like three to four million of these things all over the world. And uh, is there is there anything that you feel that that it's lacking, or or what do you think is is coming in the future for it? I think it's. I think what's really going to tell the story with the iPad is the applications, uh, because it doesn't actually have a Finder, and that's something that some people may not really 
that's kind of what I'm trying to wrap around my head and explain to people uh, that it's not there are certain things that are still missing, but I think the power really will be with number one, the applications that will be developed in the future for it, but also are they going to come out with, let's say, a Rev2 model that maybe adds another uh, port or connector to it that then allows you to maybe attach, you know, more different kinds of hardware to it that at that point it becomes more closer to a, I don't want to say a desktop or a, a laptop. I mean, it's like, like you said, it's in its own little kind of yeah. niche, niche category here. Now the now you know what we don't have for the iPad yet is iOS four, and I find it I find it interesting that they would release that for uh, the iPhone, but not for the iPad. And right. the only thing I can think of is that there's probably something coming in iOS four for the iPad that just isn't capable of, of being done on the iPhone, whether it's a question of screen real estate or, or just the different nature of the machine. And I kind of wonder if, if not so much um, like not so much like a finder, but something maybe a, a little bit different in, in, in such a way that when you open up an application that, whatever documents that that application is capable of dealing with are just going to automatically be there. Now I know for certain applications like, uh, pages for the iPad, it, it kind of does that already. But if the document itself isn't on the machine, you know, you either have to go to, to like an application like Dropbox and, and try to bring it in that way. But typically you have to uh, sync with iTunes and bring in your your documents via iTunes, which really isn't very elegant. There really needs to be some kind of way to wirelessly move documents around from the various machines that you have. What do you think? Yeah, right. Through, yeah, synchronizing is definitely it, and going through iTunes is one way. But, yeah, then you have Dropbox and uh, Evernote and other programs like that that you know, rely on the cloud to to be your your collection your collection box, if you will, and that that has to be made a little easier, I think. Yeah, because it, it's just it's just not really elegant the way that that it works right now. That there needs to be some way to to bring stuff in and out without having to connect it up through the dock connector. Now I know that Apple has. I'm sorry, excuse me. Apple has that, that huge storage or that huge data center that they're building in North Carolina. Right. And I just got to figure that, that there's, there's something going on there that's going to be iPad related. I, I think that, that Apple is putting a lot of their future into their mobile devices that, that, you know, and as a matter of fact, in our next segment, what we're going to talk about is you know whether or not Apple is losing its focus on the Mac and OS 10, and um, I think uh, I think we're going to take another little break, Greg. And when we come back, that's what we're going to talk about. Number seven in the alphabet, but number one in your hearts. It's a G-Man on the MyMac.com podcast. Will it's midnight, then arrive a round up too tight. 
And we are back in our last segment for show 305. We're going to talk about whether or not Apple is losing its focus on the Mac and OS 10 with, with all of their, their various mobile devices and, and the iOS seem, seeming, to, seeming to take the front seat in Apple these days. What do you think, Greg? Yeah, I agree. It seems like the iPhone and uh, the iPad are now kind of driving the boat now. And you, you got to kind of wonder, you know, what does this hold for the future? Not not necessarily a, of OS ten because, you know, even even the iOS has its roots in OS ten. But for for the Mac in general, it, now they just came out with new machines, but it it just seems like they're not even really trying that hard anymore with the Mac. When I look at Apple, I see that they are light years ahead of of everybody and they know how to innovate they know what we want before we want it and so that's kind of where i'm just kind of saying well maybe they do have something up their sleeve and they know what right now seems to be like what we're seeing the change but then they're maybe they're seeing the bigger picture and what 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 commuting computing and mobile devices are going to be five or even just you know, think about what it was a few years ago. It's nothing right. like what it is now, and just look at how much has changed. So, kind of hard to say. What? Well, well, do you think that uh, eventually we're going to see kind of a, a merging of the the standard desktop computer environment and Apple's mobile devices? Yeah, I think that the iPad is is the start of that. I think that that that's kind of what's what's opening the door for all that and like we all were wondering what you know this data center is going to be doing you know people bag on dot uh, mac and or mobile me and how it just seems to be kind of limited and how they could have been improving it a lot more i think something big is coming i think they have something up their sleeves that that we're going to enjoy well i, I sure hope so because it, it just seems like th- there's just not as much happening in the on you know the the Mac side of things, as even even two or three years ago before the iPhone came out. Now, do you think that there's a possibility that with all of their attention on mobile devices and and that seeming seeming to be where they're taking the company, that uh, that they could possibly get out of making Macs altogether and and kind of you know relate or just kind of. I'm not talking about necessarily you know dell or hp or anything like that though i'm sure that that they would love to have a a piece of the mac universe but just kind of saying okay well here's our here's our hardware specs you know here's here's a a motherboard design that we know works great with os 10 here's you know all these these different pieces that we've used in the past to make macs and, and this all of this is still good going forward with os 10 make us a mac I think that's there, but it's not going to be there right away. I'm thinking of the guy at Starbucks, the older gentleman who's got his Sunday paper out. And then you look at, I'm changing gears here a little bit. No, that's fine. When you're talking about just the print industry, which I'm obviously involved with, with what I do for a living, you look at how magazines and newspapers in general uh, are just, they're going down. I mean, they're, they're going away. I mean, I got... I can't remember when number one when was the last time I got a uh, a yellow pages, and when I did, it basically just made a one way trip into my recycle bin because <laughs> I did because I, I didn't use it. You know that said, I do use yellowpages.com, 
And so I'm thinking about that, and I said, well, I don't think they're quite going to kill it to where, you know, there's always going to be a certain percentage of people that they have to have their magazines, they have to have their newspapers, and they would rather read their content material that way. What I'm really trying to say is I don't think they're going to be killing it right away if that's their intention. Do you think they could, Um, like, start to phase out? Apple's max in favor of, of another company. If you were, if you were Steve jobs and you were looking to, to kind of take away having to do a lot of development on the Mac side, what would be, what would be the first machine that you would give out to somebody else to make? I would definitely say the, uh, the Apple TV, the Apple TV. Yeah. Well, what, what about on the, uh, the desktop side, the Mac pro, You'd you'd start with the Mac Pro. Why is yeah. that? Uh, because I think the, the the people that do high end video and you know movies and television, I think they're the ones that are they're dealing with. They have the biggest wish lists of as far as what they would really would like to do, you know, on those machines and how they can improve them. Mm-hmm. Now, great. Now, granted, they do have some expandability with the PCR cards already. But I think they're they're the ones that would be most likely to get in there and want to just dig around and and really uh, customize it. Well, I, I don't know if Apple would want to, because you know those are well. Let, let's face it, their margins on all of their desktops are relatively high. But I I can't imagine that that the the Mac Pro market, which is has got to be pretty steady, would be would be where I would go with that. I think I would start with with the iMac and, and kind of work my way either up or down from there. Uh, now were you, you were using Macs during the, the clone period, right? From like yeah, 95 I, to 98. Yeah. I saw them all come out and, uh, I have, I knew people that did go ahead and venture and, and try and have those and they had just nothing but trouble with them. Really? Well, I had a, uh, kind of a mixed experience with that. I, I had a UMAX C600, which was a 603E-based uh, mini tower. It had, you know, CD-ROM drive, of course. Or, uh, CD-ROM drive, of course, also had space for uh, two internal drives. Mm-hmm. And it was, a, it was a great little machine. I actually upgraded that from a 603E, I think it was a 240 megahertz 603E to a 225 megahertz G3, very late in its life. Mm-hmm. But then because I wanted a little more performance, uh, I found a machine, and I think it was called the M-Tower, which was a 604-based machine, 200 megahertz, that was the, one of the biggest pieces of crap that I've ever owned in my life. Mm-mm. And this was based on Motorola's uh, StarMax design, which was, right. was just, just terrible. I think the ones that, uh, that UMAX and uh, – because they actually bought their license from Radius, uh, that, that UMAX and Power Computing and some of the other bigger clone makers, which weren't using uh, the Motorola uh, StarMax design – were, were much better machines. Now, the, the one I really wanted, uh, there was one from Power Computing. I know we're getting off the subject here, and I don't care. I'm having fun with this. Was the Power Tower 2, I think it was the Power Tower 225, which was a 225 megahertz base 604 that was just for its time. And we're talking, you know, 97, 98, was a real screamer. And right. then UMAX had the S900 
You can look that one up. I mean, it was a good-looking case. It was a great design. Same kind of thing. It was like a 225 to 250 megahertz 604 machine. Lots of power. Lots of bays. Just do whatever it was you wanted to do with it. And as compared to the computers that Apple was putting out at the time, you know, these were just better machines. And for the most part, cheaper as well because they were able to use uh, technology that up to that point Apple had refused to use. Apple was still using SCSI drives. And I know uh, all the clone makers very quickly switched to uh, ATA drives, which were like half the price. They had uh, better graphics, more storage options. I mean, they were overall just better machines at a time when you know, Apple was putting out machines every other week where, you know, like I said earlier, the only real difference seemed to be more software than hardware related. So there was, there was that plus for the most part from the, from the reputable builders uh, like UMAX and power computing, these were well-designed and, you know, easy to update, easy to use machines. They were, they were almost Apple-like. Yeah, and I remember uh, they were always usually cheaper. I do remember that. Oh, oh yes, much, much cheaper. And Apple was, you know, losing their shirt to these guys, which was part of the reason why Steve put the uh, the kibosh on the uh, on the the clones mm-hmm. not long after he came back to Apple, and he did it in. You know, we're getting into a little Apple history here. He did it in kind of an unusual way. Now the cloners all had licenses for system seven. And that was the only license they had is, you know, coming from Apple. So what Apple did was, uh, at, the, I think the last version of the OS that they were officially allowed to ship with was 7.6. Now 7.7 was getting ready to come out, but, but someone at Apple, and I don't know if it was Steve jobs or what, decided to rename the OS from 7.7 to OS 8 mm-hmm. and then not allow the the cloners to license that even though they could they could run it easy, easily enough so once that happened that kind of put the whole kibosh on almost i think every every mac cloner that was out there so you know but but getting back on topic is there at this point because computers are are more of a, a commodity these days? Is there is there room in the Apple universe for Macs not made by Apple? I think so. And what's they're going to come up with something great that's going to replace them? It, yeah, it, they're they're uh, they're going to I see the light in the future, and they're going to say, well, at this point, we're really not going to be using these forms of of devices anymore. Yep, and and. Go ahead. Well, I mean, they'll, they'll, the iPad is an example of that. You know, I think that they're going to they're just see what – kind of to describe it, but that they will see what, what, what's, what's happening. Yeah, we're, we're, we're essentially – you've got this melding of the, the desktop and, and the portable metaphor. And if you're sitting there at home, you can, you know, sit down in front of a large screen and have lots of other little options – but if you're on the road, you've got just this little pad that you can connect back to your home network and, you know, and, and just keep rolling. So, um, you know what, Greg, I'm starting to lose you on Skype. So I, I think we're going to, we're going to end the show before I lose you completely. 
Um, if people wanted to get a hold of you, Greg, how would they go about doing so? Uh, for the graphics business, it's uh, gregsgraphicstexas.com, and my email address is gregsgraphics at gmail.com. Uh, for the gardening thing, most of my articles and what have you are on vegetablegardener.com, and the email for that is yourownvictorygarden at gmail.com. And if you want to get a hold of either myself or uh, Gaz, we can be reached at guy at mymac.com or gaz at mymac.com. And both of us are on Twitter. Uh, gaz is at twitter.com forward slash gazmaz, G-A-Z-M-A-Z. I am at twitter.com forward slash macparrot. And, of course, you can also send us feedback through, well, big surprise, feedback at mymac.com. And our always abused and hardly ever used telephone number, which is area code 703-436-9501. Greg, I want to thank you for coming on this week. Um, I think, I, I don't know if Gaz is coming back or if he's going to be back for the next show. Mm -hmm. uh, you feel like coming on next week? If the people want me, the people will have to have me. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. DeVille, I'm ready for my close-up. <laughs> I, I would be very humbled. It would be, it would be an honor and a pleasure. <laughs> all right. Well, on, on that very weird note, uh, we're going to sign off. I hope you all have a great week, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. And thank you for listening to the MyMac.com podcast. Please send off feedback to podcast at mymac.com. Be sure to check out our other shows, including Geekiest Show Ever, My Photo Tech Podcast, Your Own Victory Garden, and Sam's Cool Picks. All available in iTunes.